Okay, grab your Bible. How many think we're gonna get all the way through the book of Nehemiah in our morning sessions? Um, okay, so now we know who the clueless. <laughs> Do the math, no, that, that was mean. Uh, it's not gonna happen, uh, uh, you know, we'll talk about the whole book, but, but uh, I just, I can't do it, bro. It's just not gonna happen. Chapter three, let's pick it up in chapter three. Father, Lord, help us to receive your word. Help us to be able to see the parallels that exist any time that, that kingdom territory is taken. I pray that, that, uh, that some men and women will hear this morning, uh, Lord, just the call, your call on their life and to be able to, to see it, to hear it, to understand it soberly, that the, the price is going to, it's going to be everything, but it's the least that we can pay in order to be a part of something that you're doing in the lives of people. And so God, we just look at everything that you've done in our life and, and what can we say, but yes, Lord, uh, we're in. And, and so Father, help us this morning to hear from you, God, uh, just pierce our hearts with your word. We ask this this morning in Jesus' name, amen. So in Nehemiah chapter three, if I would title it uh, in terms of this parallel that we're looking at, I, I think the best way to communicate it is this. We have to be willing to organize and to work hard. If we're gonna take kingdom territory, it's not gonna just happen. We have to get organized and then we gotta take that plan that we're working and we gotta work it hard. Uh, so planting churches, I mean, we could take Genesis chapter three and develop a whole course, or I'm sorry, Nehemiah three, and we could develop a whole course out of just this chapter, but, but just briefly, let's walk through it, because we need to get to chapter four. But if you're, if you're planting churches, as you're winning souls and making disciples, uh, you, what you're gonna be working toward is a division of labor. Right, everyone has a place to work and everyone's in their place working. And what you'll see in Nehemiah chapter three is all kinds of people, right? Rich, poor, noble, common, all kinds of people doing all kinds of jobs. Uh, whether, you know, some people were too good for the work. Uh, I don't know that, that, that they thrived spiritually as a result, but, but you've got both the rich, the poor, the common, the noble, and they're all working together to get the job done. So future pastors, missionaries, you're always working to build and train and lead teams, and that's easy. It's just like, it's just like herding cats. It's no problem, you know? Everybody's got their own agenda, and, and they're, just, they're just super simple to, to lead and keep on task. Uh, but yet, that's what, the Lord's gonna, that's what the Lord is going to gift you and empower you and give you wisdom to do. Uh, the second thing that I would say about chapter three is just notice the functions that are represented through the gates. And there are parallels there to church planting, church life, missionary work, and so we'll just, we'll just identify those. But with these gates, right, the, the gates, let's, let's, let's list the parallel this way. Uh, the gates, these are the functions through which ministry must take place. There's gotta be a way for people to get in and out of the work. Beam support, right, they enable access. Uh, safe access through those ports. Locks and bars, those are safety measures. In other words, in all of these functions, access needs to be controlled. Uh, some people are going to get in and the way is made for them and other people, they've got another agenda and, and so that access point shouldn't work for them. The towers, these are points of watch. 
We have to be, we, there, there has to be a watch care, uh, a watch function in ministry. And all of these things, the gates, the beams, the locks, the bars, the towers, all have to be in repair. They have to be maintenance. Constant attention has to be paid. Uh, they have to be working Uh, They have to be functioning in order to enable and support ministry. And so here we have, in verse one, we have the high priest with his brethren, the priests. So here's a good servant leader. He set an example, and they're building the sheep gate in verse one. And, you know, John the Baptist saw Jesus and and, and called him what? Behold the the sheep. Behold the Lamb of God. Okay, so so this first one, the sheep, you know, this chapter three starts and ends with the sheep gate. Uh, everything begins and ends with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so are there ways, as you're multiplying ministry, as you're taking kingdom territory, are there ways for people, are, are, and are we ready for people to come in? You need on-ramps, right? People need a way to on-ramp into a, in terms of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you're starting Bible studies. Those who are responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're calling them to count the cost of discipleship, your new members material, discipleship one, what are you doing? You're establishing new believers, new citizens in God's kingdoms in the relationship that they're to have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now next to them in verse three, we find the sheep gate, or not, I'm sorry, the fish gate, next to the sheep gate. And, uh, and again, notice the association, right? It, it has beams and doors and locks and bars. Uh, Pastor Best, in, in his uh, finishing strong breakout session, likened the, the fish gate to our food, our diet. Uh, fish would represent commerce. And, and in his session, he's talking about, uh, you know, just being a good steward over your health. But also, don't miss the picture of the fish gate. We're to be fishers of men. And so, do we have the means, right? If we're taking kingdom territory, do we have the means? Are there, are there strategies and methodologies for fishing for souls? Uh, notice it's next to the sheep gate. If Christ, right, if he is the sheep, if he is the lamb of God, if he is the door, right, he is the sheep gate, well then how are we leading people to Christ? You know, Paul, Paul's attitude in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 22, he says, I'm all things to all men, right? He says, I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. So I've got a, I've got a whole lot of lures and bait in my tackle box. I've got a whole lot of methodologies. I keep my nets in good repair. Uh, whatever it takes to go fishing for souls, that's what I'm gonna do. Now, notice when they're listing who all is doing the work of repair, You've got some nobles in verse five who put not their necks to the work. And so as you take kingdom territory, you gotta recognize there's gonna be people who will flock with you who are too good to actually do any of the dirty work. Uh, In every church, just recognize there are some people who are big deals and they wanna be associated with the work but they don't wanna do the work. Hello, somebody. Uh, They wanna take credit for what everybody is doing, but they don't actually wanna roll up their sleeves and and start sweating themselves. They're just too good, their time is too precious. So you leaders, right, don't promote people like that. We have kind of a ministry principle here at MBT. Before you're qualified to hold a mic, uh, you have to be proven on a broom. Before you're qualified to to take time and territory in in the pulpit, do you know how to work a plunger? for the glory of God, right? Our leaders are servant leaders, that's key. 
right? We want, we want leaders who, who know how to work. Uh, and they should have, th- these nobles should have followed the example of the high priest. I mean, who's a bigger deal in Jerusalem than the high priest in verse one? So you wanna promote people in leadership that are full of faith and they're willing to work. Verse number six, the old gate. And again, notice uh, the, the access mechanisms with the old gate, the beams, the doors, the locks, and the bars. Verse six. So it, this is critical, the old gate. What are we talking about? It's like Jeremiah 6.16. Are we sticking to proven paths, set doctrine? Are we holding to what God has put forth for us? See, people have to learn, they have to know the way. Everybody can't go away that's right in their own eyes. People can't forge new paths. They can't, they can't take a new approach to what God's word says. No, in verse six, there is a structure. So do you have a way for people to walk proven paths and move forward in faith. This is why you wanna have, uh, have an on-purpose approach to making disciples. You want, an on, you want a structured, methodic way of training people up in the old paths, in the truth of God's word. And so this is why your discipleship ministry, uh, that there's accountability built into that. Uh, your, your equipping of leaders, there needs to be some accountability built into that. People can't just sit in a room and nod their head. Uh, you wanna get feedback from them. Do you understand the doctrine of God's word? Do you understand a biblical philosophy of ministry? Do you know how to do the work of God the way that God has laid it out for us? Jeremiah 6, 16 says, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Don't we need that? Don't we need the good way? Well, you know, the good news is it's all been proven out. It's all been set forth. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to figure out something, you know, that's a good path, a good way for us. It's been given to us, so ask for it. Walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls. So many people wasting their time trying to do church um, the way Disney does business. Exercise in frustration and you'll build a ministry that's a mile wide and an inch deep and when persecution comes or your government leader shuts everything down for two weeks to flatten the curve and oh, it's just, you find out it's gonna be 20 years. Uh, How is your church gonna thrive if they don't know how to walk in a good way? Then, right, then you find rest for your souls but they said we will not walk therein. We need a new gate, a new path, we need new doctrine, we need new method, okay, so again, you know, in terms of how you approach people, you wanna meet people, you wanna meet the culture where they're at, but you're showing them an old path. It is an old, old story, the doctrines there, I mean, come on, if your doctrine is new, it's probably not true. Okay, so there you go. Okay, so then verses seven and following, we've got more people listed doing the work. They're, they're actually putting their necks to the work and, and just, I'd point this out, uh, verse 11. Here's somebody repairing the other piece. We'll come back to that in just a minute. And then we see a ruler. Check out verse 12, uh, Shalom, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. He's, he's co-mayor, he's a big deal. He and his daughters, so right, right there is a servant leader and any of the young bucks on that wall, they see the mayor's daughters doing that work, they're like, that's a woman I can build a house around. Right, she's got, she's got the biceps to help build it. Praise the Lord. He and his daughters, he's a servant leader. Verse 13, the valley gate. That's what you're looking for, man. Right, young man, you're looking for a help meet. 
You, you, you want a wife that's willing to work. You want someone that's willing to sweat. Uh, someone that's willing to, to do the hard things. The valley gate, and notice doors, locks, bars. Uh, you know, there's gotta be a way in and out of the valleys, uh, particularly out. Uh, some people walk through some pretty rough valleys. You know, there's the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, there, are, there are valleys in life, and, and notice it's next to the, to the dung gate in verse 14. Uh, you know, you're coming up out uh, from, from the place where, where the trash is dealt with. Um, if, you, if, if, if Israel will ever open up, uh, you'll want to add this to your bucket list. You want to go with us to Israel one time. Take that tour. Man, it is so eye-opening, and, and we'll walk you in and out of the, actually what we do is we make sure we walk you out of the dung gate, and I'll try to get video of you coming out of the dung gate, making you know, inappropriate comments about what's coming out of the dung gate, and, and it'll all be about you. Okay, so there, there's some incentive to get on that trip. Okay, so, um, so you, you, there's gonna be counseling. You're gonna need a counseling ministry you need people that are trained up in counseling. Okay, Dungate, some stuff's gotta go, right? The hard, stinky stuff in ministry, it's gotta, it's gotta be dealt with, and it's gotta be, you know, some people don't wanna mess with mucking out the barn, but it's gotta happen. Because no one, no ministry can thrive with poo piling up, it just doesn't work. Anybody living in poo, in poo right? They're not living their best life now. Uh, so there's got to be, right, spiritually, there's got to be cleanliness. There's got to be, be building, the building of lives. And so issues have to be dealt with. The church is to be holy. And it can be hard having to deal with people that you love, cleaning up messes, but it's got it's to happen. Verse 15, again, here with the fountain gate, we see that there are some nobles who are hard workers. Uh, you got the ruler of part of Mizpah, in verse 15, and again, this comes with doors and locks and bars. There's a structure here, but we're talking about the fountain gate. And uh, wh- where is the source? Where is the fountain? Well, everybody knows John 4, verse 14. Uh, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never, fir- shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Uh, are we keeping to our life source? Are we keeping to the, 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 the resource that's described for us by the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter four? Are we maintaining that relationship? Uh, in Jeremiah two verse 13, God's complaint against his people is this, they've committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And this is what God's people just keep doing. So in ministry, when you're starting in ministry, especially when you're taking kingdom territory, the work is so big, it's so massive, you know you can't accomplish it in your power, in the arm of your flesh, and so you're very desperate and you draw nigh to God, right? You run to, I mean, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it and they're saved, and, and anytime you're taking kingdom territory, the enemy is raging, and so you just keep clinging to Jesus, and, and he shows himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him, and, and miracles are taking place, and lives are being changed, and, and uh, you know, man, all of a sudden you've got, you know, you've got babes in the nursery, and there's disciples, and, and uh, ministry is now multiplying, and instead, what happens, just very subtle, 
subtly, you, you shift from a married dynamic in terms of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to where now you're just encumbered with all of the Martha work and before you know it, you find yourself hewing out cisterns, right? You're making your own, you're, you're trying to fabricate your own solutions for vitality and they don't hold water, there's no power there. Again, Walter Knight, uh, the quote is, is so appropriate because there's a constant temptation to always pursue better methods and better tools, but there's no power whenever we're not clinging to our relationship with the fountain of life. He says the ancient church had a minimum of organization, but it had a maximum of power. The average church today has a maximum of organization, but tragically lacks power. And again, he quotes G. Campbell Morgan, Satan's methods today is to start so many organizations in a church that the members have no time for unhurried communication with God. Many Christians are so busy that they can only hear the clink and clatter of church machinery. And what are they doing? They're just working those cisterns that they're building and they're building their structures and they're working out, they're hammering out their methodologies and there's no power there because they're not, they're not, you know, they're not like that tree planted by rivers of living water. They're not, they're not sourced at the fountain. Jesus said in John chapter seven, verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. We need those fountains of living waters springing up in us. We need the power of God if we're to effectively build God's kingdom. Verses 16 and following, again, listing people who are building these gates. And, and again, I just draw your attention to uh, uh, the rulers who are working and those who are taking another piece, the other piece. They do another piece, another section. Uh, here we have Baruch in verse 20. And he's working earnestly. That word earnestly, right? It's, uh, it's to burn, to be hot he repaired the other piece, right? He, he, don't just give him a job, give him a list. Uh, he's all about the work of taking territory, taking kingdom territory. Uh, then you've got down in verse 26, the water gate. There's gonna have to be labor for access to water. Water in our Bible is likened to the, to the word of God, right? So labor for access to the word. In Ephesians 5, Jesus washes his bride in the washing of water by the word. John chapter 15, verse three, Jesus says, now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. And when you get to Nehemiah chapter eight, when the word of God is being delivered, when Ezra the scribe brings the books of the law to the people and he's preaching just expositorily, laying out the word of God to the people of God, Guess which gate they're doing this at? Well, surprise, surprise, no surprise, it's the water gate in Jeremiah, or I'm sorry, in Nehemiah chapter eight, verses one through eight. The people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, and then he lays it out. Verse five, uh, Nehemiah eight, he opens the book in the sight of all the people, and he begins to read the word of God to the people and give distinction and meaning and sense so that they can understand the word of God. The water gate is so critical. We need to labor so that, so that God's people have access to the water of God's word. And then 
You come on down in chapter three and you find out in um, uh, verse 27, here's someone repairing another piece. Verse 28, the horse gate. Okay, horses in your Bible represent what? Strength, power, military might. And kings in your Bible were not to multiply horses. God was to be their might. He was to be their power. In Deuteronomy 17, verse 16, the king is commanded not to multiply horses to himself. Don't rely on Egypt to be your source of security. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, he says, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. God's saying, I am the strength of my people, and you guys know the story. Uh, King Solomon, uh, wisest man that ever lived, forgot Deuteronomy 17, verse 16, and he, he had horses, not just any horses, but from Egypt of all places. And, and you know that, that uh, God did bless his kingdom, but his mistakes in terms of his reliance sets Israel up for failure in the succeeding generations. And this is what happens in ministries. Uh, you know, a, a work of God begins. And, and uh, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a man of God or there's a, there's a small group of people that trust God for the impossible. They believe that God is a, is a miracle working God. He's at work in the world today and they get full of faith and they, they move forward in faith and, and they take the word of God and they invest it in the souls of men and, and, and then a work is built up. And then, you know, the Rehoboams come along in the next generation and it just wrecks everything. Uh, what happens is, is God's people will take a work that God is doing and then they'll try to, through you know, just human wisdom and tactics, human uh, tacticians, they will then try to structure fruit, they'll try to structure outcomes that can be shown effective through good thinking, good practices, and, and the strength and the wisdom of man-made methodologies instead of staying trembling in dependence before the Lord, working through his people. Now conversely, the horse gate, what are we talking, okay, if horses represent strength, if they represent power, uh, again, you, if you're in the uh, finishing strong breakout, you could tie this gate back to just the fact that exercise profiteth little. There is a little profit there, and, and so you know, uh, work to increase your horsepower so that in your older age, uh, you've got farther to fall from in that inevitable slide to you know, somebody changing your diaper. Okay, then verse 29, the east gate. It's called the gate beautiful or the golden gate. Are we, we have to always be preparing people for the way of the Lord. And when Christ returns to Jerusalem, it's through the east gate. Are people being coached to look for Christ? Are they looking for Christ's return? Now the picture today that, that you can't miss is, you know, the, today the east gate is all walled up. Uh, some Muslims heard about this prophecy of a Jewish Messiah coming, returning through the east gate and so they said, well, we'll fix that. But, you know, so today the east gate is closed. Uh, one day Christ will come knocking and, and, and I'm sure those stones will be removed. But the picture here is we have to always be laboring, preparing people for Christ's return. Uh, verses 30 and following, again, more people listed repairing. And, and there it is, that phrase again in verse 30, another piece. This brings us to the gate Mifkad, okay, in verse 31. This is the inspection gate or the military gate. This is where they would line up the troops and, and, and make sure that everyone is in order. 
the inspection gate, and obviously our cross-reference there is 2 Timothy chapter two. We have to always keep God's people with the mission on their mind and their mind on the mission, okay? They need to endure hardness as a good soldier. There's never a time whenever we get to take our leave, right? There's no, there's no, there's no time where we can say we don't have to worry about spiritual warfare. We're not laboring for souls. Second Timothy two, verse one says, thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. He shows up to the inspection gate. Uh, he, is, he is dressed in his armor. He is ready for battle. What, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for mastery, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. So in, in, in Nehemiah chapter three, you've got Nehemiah leading this massive team in ministry. Uh, many players, many different people performing many different functions and, and you want, so you want to follow this example. You wanna find the people that have a mind to work because church planting, taking kingdom territory, it takes hard work. I cannot tell you how, just even on the, on the physical level, so, okay, so particularly, you're starting something with few resources. Uh, you're, you're gonna, you're, you, you know how it works, stuff you can't hire out, you just take care of with elbow grease. And so, I can't tell you how many times I've sweat through clothes and then I would change so that I would be ready to actually do something else in terms of ministering to people and, and I'm like, God, you know, I hope this works out, you know. <laughs> you, you, you have to have people that have a mind to work because church planning takes hard work. And you're always bringing a team along. Uh, and that works best whenever the team members own the ministry themselves. Okay, this is where most people mess up. It's all about the church planner, it's all about the lead pastor. And they actually own everything and everybody's actually working for them instead of for the Lord. And, and I'm just telling you, tactically, that's a mistake, that's an error. People, you need, to, you, need to, you need to coach and train leaders and then you need to let them lead. They need to own the ministry themselves. Notice that Nehemiah is giving the work away to anyone that's willing to take it and own it and work it. See, too many pastors have to be the man like the only man, and they micromanage the life right out of the church, and nothing gets done in terms of building the kingdom. They're trying to, what happens is, you know, micromanaging in a local church setting, the pastor's actually trying to protect his kingdom, and it never works. You, you end up micromanaging the life right out of the ministry. So you wanna promote and support people. You wanna promote and support people that, 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 that are willing to, to learn, they're willing to do the work properly, and they're willing to own it. Now again, in verse five, notice that there are nobles, right? I mean, you've got nobles that, that won't put their necks to the work, but then you've got nobles that labor earnestly in verse 20. That'll be another great example of, of, of people who are somebody in society, and they're willing to get down in the dirt and the muck and do the work and so again, you're always promoting servant leadership. That's critical. Not all people, right? You know, some, 
Some people will join a work because that's an opportunity for them to be a big fish in a little pond. Uh, they'll join a new work because this is uh, maybe a, 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 a new man leading a ministry and, and so they, they feel like they can be a person of influence with this new leader. They want, they want a smaller pond so that they can more easily pull resources over to themselves and, and have more access to the new pastor and, and you just ought to trust the Lord for discernment, okay? Because ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, you wanna be a big deal, you wanna be the big dog, you wanna be a player, you want, you want accolades, glory, honor, and recognition. Uh, man, get that from the Lord at the judgment seat. Just shut up and get to work, <laughs> right? That's, that's, that, there's kingdom territory that needs to be taken and we don't have time for you getting your back patted all the time, I mean, it's just there's no time for that. Okay, so I kept pointing out another piece, the other piece, another piece, another piece. Okay, so there are tasks. There are never-ending tasks. You see it in verse 19, 21, 24. Okay, these tasks do not fulfill themselves. Uh, nothing ever in ministry just takes care of itself. Somebody has to own it. All of the pieces, all of the work of the ministry, none of these things fulfill themselves. They always take someone owning them and, make, and, and they have to make sure that it's done and done right. Let, whatever we do, let's do it heartily as unto the Lord, amen? And so whatever we're gonna do, even if it's in terms of just making sure the building is safe, clean, and ready, man, we ought to, we ought to prepare the way for the king. In the early days, um, you know, there's just so much going on and there's so many things to take care of and, 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 and we would hold, I mean, we didn't hold ever. I, I, if we had exceptions to this, they were rare. Every service that we held, there'd be somebody causing a disruption in the service. I mean, we're like, like our, 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 our fight or flight response was always amped up to about, what would you say, Brandon, about nine, level nine. I mean, we never totally freaked out, but we were always just like, where's it gonna come from next? Uh, we, were, we were probably, I don't know, we were probably 150, 200 people at the time, and, and uh, I'm, right, I'm sitting right there where Eric is. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I, I might have been over there, and I'm pretty sure I was right there. Didn't I used to sit right there? And we're worshiping, and, and, the, and, and the praise, I mean, the house is rocking, and everything's going great, and I'm, and everybody's singing their hearts out and, and I hear somebody yell. And you know, sometimes people yell in the worship. That's, man, praise the Lord. But, but at, I'm like, that sounded like the F-bomb. In worship, I'm a little hard of hearing. I'm, I didn't hear that. Not, that's just, you know, my old man was hearing something crazy. That's what it was. And so we're worshiping and, and I hear it again. Somebody sounded like they screamed out the F-bomb. And I, can't, I don't believe it, I can't believe what I'm hearing. And, and so I'm just still clueless and I'm worshiping and then, and then it happens again and I'm like, that definitely was the F-bomb. And about that time, a wide margin King James Bible comes flying past my head. It was like a major league picture, picture through that Bible. I mean, it's a big Bible and it comes sailing back just right down the aisle past my head, hits the panels, the wooden panels on the front of the auditorium. Boom, just this big, you know, six guys came out and ministered to him and, and uh, helped him. It's like the, every service, you know, just some, some kind of disruption, there's something going on. So sometimes you miss details. Sometimes, you know, you just get off, your attention gets off and, and, I, and I learned early on, I gotta walk, okay, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna call people to come worship and we're gonna call people to attend on the word of God, is this place safe, clean, and ready? 
right? Is it safe, clean, and ready? And so I would walk the building, and, and we were doing different construction pro- projects with limited resources. And I remember one morning, I don't know who I'm tattling on, but, but you got it coming. Okay, so one morning, I'm, I'm, we're getting ready for church, and I'm walking through the building, and downstairs where we have the children's ministry, there's no walls down there. It's a big open area downstairs at that time. There is an outlet with the wires hanging out live wires hanging out of the wall where we're gonna be gathering toddlers for the glory of Jesus Christ. How's that gonna work out whenever we got a little kid in the hospital because we're doing church? You, you so, like, it's, we gotta do it heartily as unto the Lord. And there is a level where anything worth doing is worth doing right. And you can't, you can't, there's nothing in ministry that you can get away with one bunning. Okay, so just hear me on this. It doesn't have to be Disney level pro, it doesn't have to be professional level Disney quality. Okay, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But is the, you know, the standard that we set here is, is the building, are we safe, clean, and ready? Uh, yeah, we've got warts. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's clean by a humble definition, okay? <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, you can't one bun ministry and say that, you know, God's, you know, God will work it all out. You wanna do your due diligence. You wanna make sure that, that everything is done decently and in order, and Nehemiah, you're responsible for that. And you gotta hold people accountable to make sure that they're responsible for that. Okay, so here's a guy that, that's uh, exercising uh, this work earnestly. He's, he's hot, he's burning in the work, and he's, and he's looking for another piece. Uh, these tasks don't fulfill themselves. So you're looking for the people that, you know, how, you know how some kids, you give them a list, a kid list, and they kind of just barely do that list, and then you, you go check up on them, they're doing the, and there they are. I, th- I think I'm doing it right whether it's like this or, or it's like this. And, uh, and it's like, bro, there's still more work to do. You know, whenever your kid comes to you and, and says, okay, I've got the list done, is there anything else that you need me to do? No, here's some cake, bro. That's a, you're looking for the, like the people that you're promoting in ministry, promoting in ministry leadership are the ones who are like, hey, what's next? What can I do next? What, what needs to be taken care of next? What's required next? <sighs> Nehemiah chapter four. Uh, I wanted to make sure we had time to look at this before we finish today. Nehemiah chapter four. You better be willing to endure scorn and discouragement. If you're gonna take kingdom territory, you're gonna have to endure scorn and discouragement. If you're gonna plant a church with a faith-based view of God's word and God's work, then you will deal with scorners and discouragers. Point number one, God will allow people that do not share the kingdom agenda, they're gonna get access to you, they're gonna get access to your life. And so here we have the story of Sanballat and uh, Tobiah. And they're coming out and they're just seeking to disrupt the kingdom work. That's their whole objective. So they speak before the brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves, will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? They think they're just gonna serve the Lord and, and this is just gonna work? 
Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And so here's Samballot and Tobiah mocking and they're saying, you know, a fox can tear down this work in verse three. And so get this down in your notes. If you're doing God's work, if it's God's work, many will despise it. I can't tell you, I, I had a few, I'm not gonna say a ton, but I'm thinking of two or three conversations that I had with friends, leaders in ministry, church leaders, that told me what we're trusting the Lord to do at 40th and Walnut, it will not work, you know, and it's always, uh, for whatever reason, it's anytime somebody is straightening me out, my name is Sammy, I don't know why that is, but that's just what, I think it's a way that, that, that people try to, you know, let me give you the diminutive of your name, and that's okay, you can call me Sammy, I don't care. Hey Sammy, you know, this isn't gonna work. You're not gonna actually get anywhere in Midtown with a King James Bible and the, the, the philosophy of discipleship that you grew up with. You're just not gonna, you're not gonna do it that way. It won't work, it won't last. You're wasting your time, you're wasting other people's time and resources. And again, that was my big personal fear, is that I'm, I wasn't afraid of whether or not a King James Bible can transform lives. I knew better because of what had happened in my life, so I know that's rubbish. And, um, and I wasn't afraid in terms of the discipleship philosophy, a biblical philosophy of discipleship works, because, I mean, I lived it. I, it turned my whole life upside down, so I know it works. Um, and, and I see it all over the Word of God. It burns in my heart. Uh, I know what God's called me to, but I, but I do fear because it is a spiritual battle, I've always wrestled with this, that I would end up wasting, you know, if I wasted my life, okay, that's one thing, but I've, I've got a wife and I've got three kids, and, and the guy that, we, that had, the, had this building and was in ministry before me, he is a dear brother of God. I mean, he is, God's used him in the lives of so many people, but, but his testimony is, is uh, this ministry, you know, that he had operating out of this building, uh, it, 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 I mean, he lost his health in the midst of all of that, and, and, and man, this city came for his kids, and, and it's, it, was a, it was a straight out spiritual battle that, that he was confronted with ministering from 40th and Walnut, and so I'm like, God, please, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all in, and and you've got my life for this work, but Lord, would you protect my wife and my kids? And I get that, that they can face conflict and they can face hurt, uh, but Lord, you gotta be with them in that and please don't let them waste their life. Like if, if the decisions that I'm making in ministry mess up the trajectory of my kid's life, I can't bear that. And then what about all of the suckers that are following me in ministry? And, and uh, you know, if, 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 it just, if it turns out to be an exercise in futility because of the spiritual battle, the reality of the spiritual battle, I can't bear that at the judgment seat of Christ. If Eric, if Eric Phillips doesn't have fruit at the judgment seat of Christ, I'm undone. If James Fife, Taylor, Alex, Brandon, I mean, if these guys, Miles, if they don't have fruit at the judgment seat of Christ, I'm the biggest failure that ever walked the planet. And so I'm just desperate for God's leading, for God's confirmation, right? And God was always so good to me, you know, just my little faith, my weakness of faith, and he just kept encouraging me and, and um, supporting me. I, I wouldn't have made it without it. 
So you just recognize there's gonna be discouragement from the mission, there's gonna be discouragement from the work of building God's kingdom, and it's gonna take many forms. Uh, I've heard many faith leaders say nothing works in Midtown, I've heard that before. Had a guy from my sending church, a leader from my sending church, tell me that I'd have to give out cigarettes and pizza if I was gonna ever draw a a crowd, right? If you're gonna get any people, get them coming consistently, you're gonna have to give away cigarettes and pizza. I don't know what kind of view he had of Midtown, but that's just bizarre. And again, I'm happy to report that Midtown Baptist Temple has not given away one cigarette in Jesus' name, but we did actually give away a lot of pizza. Everybody knows that pizza is one of the big things outside of the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God, and biblical methodologies. I mean, just ministry runs on, on Papa John's. Okay, so there it is. You can't build a church in the urban core with a King James Bible. You can't do it. I've, 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 had, people t- I've had pastors tell me that. Um, you know, a, a biblical, the, the, the philosophy of discipleship will not work today. I've had pastors tell me that. And uh, you know, so a lot, of the, a lot of the scorn and discouragement comes from your brothers and sisters. Uh, and it's amazing to me. You know, it's interesting. We, we are using a King James Bible, thank you. And uh, man, that book is alive and it's changing the lives of people. We are actually following the philosophy, the, the design of discipleship that we find described in the Word of God and it's turning lives upside down for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the people that have a problem with it, they're not the lost people that we're winning to Christ. In Kansas City, it's the Christians, it's our brothers and sisters. We've got, a, we've got a Bible school here in the Kansas City metro area that doesn't want us on campus, right? And, and part of the heartburn is, is we, used, we just use a King James Bible for, you read whatever you want, but everybody teaching is gonna be teaching from a King James Bible, okay? We have one songbook. We're not gonna be just, you know, a bunch of morons, you know, a bunch of monkeys with, with, with sticks beating our own drums. So, no, I mean, we've got one songbook. There's gonna be one voice. What does the book say? And that's what's gonna rule. That's how we're gonna operate in terms of ministry, in terms of discipleship. We're gonna count the cost, and then we're gonna move forward in what the Word of God says, and, and then, you know, we're just gonna be simple enough to believe that, and it's only the believers that have a problem with it. Uh, you know, a, a, a fox will tear that work down. You can't do that. So we got a Bible school that's saying we don't want you on campus because we don't like your approach on the Word of God or, or we don't like your approach to discipleship. It's just too radical. Okay, did anybody get beat? Okay, how many mid- Midtown people are here if you're from Midtown? Okay, keep your hands up if we physically beat you for not doing what we wanted you to do in discipleship. (laughs) Put your hand up if we told you you couldn't have a relationship with your parents or your sisters or your brothers. I mean, that's what cults do, okay? This is America, you've got freedom, we recognize that. But in this house, we're using this book and we're gonna do what it says. Okay, what's interesting to me is the secular campus, the lost people that believe we started from dirt and a monkey is our uncle, we've got Bible, we got Bible studies all over UMKC. I mean, they give us money to do it. 
Like we get resources from them. They actually support us to get our Bibles up. Do you get what I'm saying? It's just bizarre. We live in clown world. It's just bizarro world. That's the world that we live in. And just know there's gonna be scorn and discouragement. But point number two, let scorn and discouragement drive your prayer life. Look at verses four and five. God hears prayer and he knows what he wants to do with you. So don't, be, don't worry about the detractors. Hear, O oh, our God, for we are despised. And turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity. And let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. I remember in the early days of starting here, the devil would leave us voicemail messages. I was looking for one to see if I could play one of these messages for you. It was chilling. It was like Satan himself was leaving voicemail messages. And and one of them, I'll, I'll, I'll probably have to paraphrase it a little bit, but here's what he said. He says, who do you guys think you are in my city? Midtown, this is my town. These are my people. You don't belong here. Get out. You cannot have them. It was like Satan left a voicemail message. One of them, I recognized the voice. I knew, actually knew who it was because we'd had some conversations before. He attended another Midtown church and he's just full of hate and derision that we're here trying to win souls and make disciples and okay, so whatever. And I thought in my heart, I'm like, man, you dirty rat brother. Um, <laughs> if there's a God in heaven, I'll be here preaching, winning souls and making disciples long after you're a corpsicle. I haven't seen that cat in three or four years. Praise the Lord. God's got your back, right? And so those kind of things ought to drive you to the Lord. Those drive those God help, please help prayers. James four verse eight says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. We're still here, he's not. Well, because we serve a mighty God. I've learned that hard times are still really good times. Man, no matter the hard time, man, those just drive you to the Lord in prayer They force you to draw nigh to God. He is our strength, he's our high tower, he's our refuge. A hard time is always such a sweet time when you know God's with you in it. And he never leaves, he never forsakes, and he never fails. What shall we say to these things, Romans 8, 31? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hard times, detractors, man, that's just nothing but a thing, chicken wing. Just keep moving forward, just keep moving forward in faith. Be like Asa. 2 Chronicles 14, 11, he cried to the Lord. His position was, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. Man, the battle's the Lord's, isn't it? I'm just the idiot that just signed up for work today. Don't, I mean, your problem isn't with me, it's with my boss. Point number three, persevere in the work, verse six. I mean, at the end of the day, you just got, you got to just keep doing the work. Don't get distracted. So we built the wall. <laughs> they're, they're mocking, they're scorning, they're discouraging. We built the wall. And the wall was joined together with, uh, unto the half thereof, and the people had a mind to work. And so you're always coaching people to keep focus. Perseverance in the face of attack is critical. I'm always coaching people here at MBT. Get full of faith. Move forward in faith. Keep your mind on the mission and the mission on your mind. And so this is why you're always vision casting because the, the end result, right, that vision empowers people. And so if I've said this once, I've said it 10,000 times. We are part of a soul winning, disciple making, training, sending church. 
that so so help us God by his grace, God's gonna use us to rock the nations for his glory. And what moron in their right mind wouldn't wanna be a part of something like that? I mean, why wouldn't we wanna win souls, make disciples, and see the nations turned upside down for the glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Who wouldn't wanna be a part of something like that? Well, the only way we'll be a part of something like that is if we decide to, in faith, participate with the kingdom that God is building. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18. So, you know, Sam Ballot and Tobiah, verse seven. The wrath, and they conspire to destroy the work. Verse eight, they conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. So anytime there's actual fruit, there will be people who will slander it. There'll be people who try to undermine it. Verse nine, you just keep praying. You stay full of faith and set a watch Right, he set a watch against them day and night because of them. So in other words, here's the principle. Don't let the wolves have access to the sheep. When Adam was placed in the garden, God told him, dress it, but keep it, right? Keep it. There's a war always that comes with the work. Paul warned the leaders of the church of Ephesus at Miletus. He says, I know this, Acts 20, verse 29, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so what they did was as they built a wall and they built it with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, right? They, I mean, every, every one, verse 18, had his sword girded by his side and so builded. That's how, that's how we have to work. We gotta work in building Right, it's a kingdom ministry, we're working to build up people, but at the same time we set a guard. This is why you're gonna have to do the uncomfortable work of warning. Every good ministry, there's a warning component to it. I mean, read Ephesians 4. There are winds of false doctrine always blowing. There are people who call themselves by the name of Jesus Christ who do not submit to the word of Christ. And with their fair and flattering speeches, right, their fair words and their flattering speeches, they deceive the hearts, the minds, the lives of simple people. And we don't want people to be simple. We want them to be wise in the word of God, amen? And so you, you, you have to speak truth as much as you have to warn against error. Because anything that serves to get people off the kingdom work, off the wall, it's not worth our time. People have issues, right? The, the things that can cause division aren't just without, they'll arise from within, and that was Paul's warning to the elders of Ephesus at Miletus. They're gonna rise up with it from within, and, and there'll be people who seek to draw away disciples after themselves, or maybe they have issues that don't meet their expectations. Uh, Satan's always working to sow division in the body of Christ, and it's all just foolishness. Don't let anything keep you from winning souls, making disciples, and training and equipping people for the work. So in verses 18 through 23, right? They're working on guard. They're working on a watch. They're working with a trowel and with a sword. He says in verse 23, neither I nor my brother nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed me. None of us put off our clothes saving <laughs> that everyone put them off for a while. I mean, eventually, you know, you gotta, you gotta take a bath. But we stayed on watch, on guard, we were ready because the enemy's always working to undo what God is building in this place. So there's gotta be constant vigilance. 
But notice you do have to take time for cleaning and for refreshing. Okay, let me just uh, close with this. And I'll give you just, here's the super high level cliff notes for the rest of Nehemiah. You can study this out for yourself in terms of building, taking kingdom territory, building a kingdom work. Uh, Chapter five are are internal issues. Uh, Staying right with God requires us staying right with one another. And God's people are worth working out issues with. Anybody that Christ died for, you don't get to just throw away, okay? God's people are worth working out issues. And you gotta just trust the Lord for discernment. A lot of people have problems. They get the bit, bit in their teeth. They get the, you know, undies in a bunch over something. Sometimes, you know, sometimes, just be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit leads in situations like that. Sometimes people need space to just let God deal with them and work out their own issues. I've learned that. A lot of times I don't have to actually jump on every problem and make it get sorted out right away. Right, God, faith says God is at work in the lives of his people, but at the end of the day, these issues that potentially cause division and disruption of the work, they gotta get worked out. Uh, there, can't ha- there cannot be division in the church. Everyone needs to be minding and speaking the same thing. It's a command, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. We have to do it. So there are internal issues. Uh, people have to be right with one another, otherwise the spirit is grieved. Chapter six, distractions, okay? People, you, you will trust God to build a church, to plant a church, to take kingdom territory. Now there's disciples, there's life, there's ministry. Every other parachurch ministry leader will now want access to your ministry and to take it off the mission, vision, and direction of winning souls, making disciples, training, equipping people for the work of ministry multiplying. And the reason why is, is those aren't your people, those are God's people. Well, okay, that's fine, that's true but you didn't win him to Christ, you didn't disciple him, but now I'm supposed to turn them over to follow you into ministry oblivion? No, go sell crazy somewhere else. So there's gonna be, dis- people are gonna come to try to pull God's people off the mission of winning, discipling, and sending. Chapter seven, uh, you better know the state of the flock, right? Know the state of the flock and, 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 and make sure that God's getting the glory Right, what you're building is the king of kings. Is he pleased with what you're building? Chapter eight, uh, the word of God has to be magnified in the lives of people. You build a kingdom work with expository preaching. Don't miss that in chapter eight. And then in chapters nine through 13, there's always a need for continuous revival. Okay, don't miss that. In chapter nine, We need regular confession of sin. In chapter 10, the commitment to the work has to continue and every one of God's people has to buy in. If you're not tithing, you're a player. If you're not not giving of yourself and if that doesn't include your pocketbook, you're a player, you're a poser. You're not the real deal. Chapter 11, there has to be a commitment to supporting worship. worship. I think is one of the areas where uh, I I struggle the most in knowing how to support it, knowing what to do. I just know this, it's all over my heart. Whatever we can do to see worship be big in this place, that's good because that's what we're designed to do. Okay, that's gonna be a big job description for eternity is worshiping and giving glory to God. And so worship needs to be big. Chapter 12, celebrate milestones, that's important. I mean, every time something's accomplished for God's glory, throw a party. (laughs) Recognize what God's doing. Uh, Go big in worship. 
And then chapter 13, there's gotta be holiness, uh, separation from mixed multitude, wicked living, uh, that has to take place. And so that's the, that's the cliff notes, there's a lot there. I knew we weren't gonna have time to get through all of that. Man, I love you guys, I'm so grateful for this week together. I'm praying that we're hearing from the, from the word of God about our part, our role in the mission.